Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So if you are watching Love is Blind, I am (laughs) guaranteeing we have spoilers in the Uh next five minutes. So Mm -hmm. feel free to skip ahead. But if you've watched and you want to hear our thoughts and takeaways. Now is the time. We are now on Love is Blind season three. Uh And Dallas, baby. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Emily specifically was like, you need to catch up so we can talk about this on the show. Yeah. And I've gotten all the way to the point that they are meeting the parents and they're kind of living out in the real world. But I already have lots of thoughts about the couples. And how many episodes do you need to watch? Eight. Not counting the ones that need to be. Re- oh, you're on episode eight. Yes. So you do you just have one more. One or two. One or two. Stop? Okay. Yeah. I tried to catch up. Well, you're going to have to leave this conversation then because I don't know what happens when. <laughs> and I don't want to spoil anything for you. <laughs> sure. Well, okay, so let's just talk about some of the couples because I thought that some of them were going to work out immaculately. And then, who's your favorite couple right off the bat? I initially, think same as mine. I loved Bartise and Nancy. Oh, okay, that was not the same as mine. But I also really liked, oh, I'm trying to find everybody's names because I can picture all of them perfectly. Alexa and Brennan, I love so much. I think that they are great together. I called it from the very beginning. I kind of worried that she might let some of her insecurities kind of ruin their chance. But I think she got like, she got a hold of that. They're trying to really drama up their wedding day because their wedding hasn't happened yet. It's in the episodes that haven't been released at this point in recording. I'm hopeful that they just are amping up the drama because they've never really had drama around them. No. And so they have to kind of make it from somewhere. So I'm hoping that they pull through. I was kind of surprised that they didn't start with their wedding, but that tells me that they said yes and that they didn't want to start with a clear obvious. Yeah, because they were, I think they've had the least amount of problems 
out of everyone, like clear communication. And mm-hmm. and it's kind of funny to me because you can tell when Alexa like brought him around her parents and even friends, they were like surprised that that's who she ended up with in some ways. Mm-hmm. But like she was over there being like, isn't he so hot? Uh-huh. Isn't he the best? And, yeah. and it's like clearly she's head over heels for him. Yeah. And everyone else is just like, this is not who we expected you to end up with. And I think because he's like legitimately so obsessed with her that that makes him even hotter to her, which it should. Sure. And so I'm sure for Alexa, it's like she isn't seeing what anyone else would maybe stereotypically count him as hot or whatever, but because he's so into her and so great for her. So into her. He is so into her and it's adorable. (laughs) Bartis. I loved him initially, and then when he started talking about how important looks were, I just was like, I got so turned off. I think there's a conversation that you haven't been a part of yet for them, and I cannot wait for you to live text me as you're watching it unfold. So when you get there, text me, because you'll know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Okay, well, I just, you know, I think part of him saying all of those things has to do with him being as young as he is. Is that bad? No, 100%. This is what the conversation Maddie and I were having is I think that this shows us the experiment is not designed for 25 year olds because you, first of all, everyone's brain truly is not fully developed until you're like 28, 29 and men, no offense, fully offense intended here. You are not mature, like literally at all for like our two male listeners. (laughs) And so I would say that it's like 27, 28 for most women and then into your thirties for most men. And so at 25, a 25 year old male brain, no, thank you. I don't want to be a part of it ever again in my life. No, but honestly, like, I feel like he has like good bones where I'm like, Come back when you've been through some shit in like Mm -hmm. five years and I feel like you're going to be. And that's ultimately one of the conversations that Nancy had with him was like, I understand, like I hear you and I get that this is your perspective and I need you to know that that's a naive perspective. And when you've like gone through some stuff and you've learned and like you've seen things like your empathy for others will change. Yeah, I he doesn't have it right now. No, I think the same problem is happening with Cole. He is he's such a sweet baby angel. Okay, I despised him in the pod. I did too. He's just like he's really extroverted, he's really goofy, and that is just not my type. I don't like please calm down, sir. But I fully saw how Zay was like into that because she yeah. needed less serious. She's yes. gone through all of the trauma in her life. That poor woman, I want to hug her. And so I totally see how like opposites attracted in that instance. And then he just, but I don't know if you've gotten to this part yet, so I won't spoil it, but there is a moment where he's reacting in a way and she's reacting in a way. And it's almost like the roles reversed. And I was full on team Cole for a second because he like, he was trying. You could very, very clearly tell he was trying and he was still messing it up, but he was saying, I know I'm messing in this up because I don't know what to do and I'm trying. And it was yeah. so authentic and genuine. And she just like, wasn't here for it in that moment. And it made me sad. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I also think Matt is going to screw it all up. I don't know. I <laughs> Matt is a uh... I know who you're talking about. I just don't know if I can say what I want to say to spoil it. 
Okay. Okay. Well, I hate him. That's all I will say. I, I literally hate him. I have things about him. I don't like him. I think there are signs of potential future abuse by some of That's us. literally what I mean. Okay. Me and Maddie were sitting there. Okay. I'm so glad you said this because Maddie and I were texting about this. There's a particular scene and it's going to solidify it for you. So he's pulling this bullshit. And basically he pulls the same bullshit he did in Malibu where he like wants to leave and is like, well, my ex did this. Go to therapy, sir. Go to therapy. And it's just this weird controlling aspect that he has that I immediately sense. First of all, he looks toxic. His face looks toxic. And I'm just like, "Mm, mm, you have the cheekbones of a manipulator and I don't like it. (laughs) the bulge structure of a toxic toxic man but yeah i don't like him at all i don't like him at all yeah i am um, run run for the hills uh-huh. run for the hills okay raven and sk i just <laughs> why i don't know okay so i get it but i don't get it at all mm-hmm. like i love when people try really hard to mesh cultures Uh raven is such a strong personality Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. sk absolutely needs someone who's more passive Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. to blend in with his culture like right i i haven't seen it about that too but you haven't gotten to a point that i feel like i can say what i need to say so we'll have a follow-up you have to have a part two i really Uh did try to catch up but I'm really frustrated that you did not. <laughs> I got kicked off. We, you would only have two TVs playing and you were watching some great British Bake Off last night. So I could you should have texted me. I 100% would have turned that off so you could catch up. <laughs> it's fine. All of that to say, there will be a follow-up conversation to this once we get to what inevitably will be some disaster endings mm-hmm. and some marriages. I really think even though there were more couples paired up this time because of how many people were too young. Yeah. I think yeah. only one or two will ultimately work out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'll be interested to see who it is. I definitely think next time they need to scout for a little bit older. Which is very interesting. Like, I love that. Like, I think that, like, the minimum age should be 28, honestly. And I know they're, like, tried to get people that are already felt like they were past their whatever. No. I'm sorry, but you got your heart broken once at 18. That does not shape who you are at 25. No. It just doesn't. Not enough for you to then, like, go into something else that's, like, solid and for sure. Mm Mm-mm. Grow up. I'd honestly rather see a couple of 30 somethings where like they were previously married once and yeah. have two kids. And like, yeah. I yeah. think that would, I don't know. I also am very here for like, the drama. So <laughs> they're good at that, right? Yeah. I feel like it gets more dramatic every year. So. Yeah, well, that's what Brian said. And he was like, he yells at the TV when they like are very clearly filming to highlight the drama like my absolute favorite strategy that they use because it's just so awkward is like there's two or three people having a conversation maybe it's like a parent and the two couples and it's like cameras panning to one of the couples and then the parent and they're talking they're talking it's volleyballing back and forth for the conversation but every time for the show to say that the conversation is over they just 
volley the camera back and forth with no talking. So it's like everyone's just staring at each other, like just being like grim and not knowing what to say and, and just like just letting edited. the last moment linger. And that's not what's happening. No, literally not at all what's happening. Okay, well, the segue into our conversation is how to have conversations with other people which honestly the people on the show could use our advice they could use some of these skills (laughs) although I do think they do a really great job and actually okay this is reminding me that last year I think we did a full episode on lessons you could learn from like reality tv I'm pretty sure we did these are conversational lessons you can learn from love is blind a strategy that they use that I need you to pretend to use in real life is the fact that they're like in the pods, not looking at the other person and having to have authentic, real conversations like right off the bat. And they're not like beating around the bush and doing these like fake filler statements. So I want to teach you how to do that in business because y'all, the amount of times Abby and I have said, does anyone know how to have conversations anymore? In the last like couple of months, has been outstanding. I think the quarantine had a bigger effect on all of us than we maybe thought that it would in our social skills and our confidence in those social skills. And we're having a lot of conversations with clients who are literally asking us, I don't know how to tell people what I do. I don't know how to get the conversation to a point that is actually effective for either one of us. I don't know how to wrap a conversation when I'm realizing it's not actually going to go anywhere. And like, how do I shuffle around and be this kind of extroverted version of myself? And so there are a couple of things that we have learned over the years and that Abby got to put in place pretty recently that I want to walk you through. But can you talk to them first about like our cool version of ourselves? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, when Emily and I started our business seven years ago, I remember very early on that we, very similarly to many of you, felt like we weren't enough, perhaps, you know, and there was some sort of underlying bit of in both a lack of confidence, but also a little bit of imposter syndrome coming up. And even if we were both refused to call it that... <laughs> We would often talk about the fact that we were a cooler version of ourselves at work, or even sometimes what we would call like the superhero version of ourselves at work, where, you know, at home, we were just, you know, not that interesting. And we're watching reality TV show on the weekends and baking something new, but nothing was really coming up that was like revolutionary. And so to help us gain some confidence, instead of making it out to be a bad thing that we were this amped up version of ourselves at work. I think we really leveraged that to our advantage and really used it to help boost our confidence over the years. Because at this point, I don't feel like I'm really that different. Right. One way or the other. It's the same strategy that Beyonce uses on stage where she is Beyonce in regular life. And then she's Sasha Fierce on stage. And I think even Beyonce has kind of intertwined into Sasha Fierce over the years and that they are closer and closer to the same person. I obviously don't know her in real life. So I'm literally just making that up. But for sure, 100%, the person who I would turn on, the suit that I would zip up, the light switch I would turn on to be Emily at Boss Project, 
felt like a different person in the first couple of years. It did. And it's definitely more and more in the same person now. Where literally my skills to be a friend, to have conversations with people in real life have improved because of how I've shown up at Boss Project. Not the other way around. Yeah. No. Like I could easily pretend to be confident in that person here at work for a webinar, a podcast, sometimes at an event, like yes, in person, it would be a little bit different, but it was very clear. Like I was representing this version of myself here. So it was easier to kind of put that hat on and I compartmentalize like that doesn't mean that's who I am as a person. I'm not sharing my deepest, darkest secrets with this stranger. I'm like my boss project self. And that strategy carried me for many years to make it easy to talk to people. Well, and I think you have to perhaps back out a little bit of, I do think there are a couple aspects of who we are as people that does give us a little bit of a leg up. Emily and both of us, we are both neurodivergent. And because of that, especially for me, you know, early on, I was the kind of person who just out of the box would say anything to anybody and mm-hmm. actually had to work on developing a filter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And because it didn't come with the package. Okay. And so, you know, some people, it's the other way around where like they're not sure what to say at all. And it, it's really a struggle to get started. And so I think instead of trying to work on it being perfect out the gate, We just need to work on how to practice having good conversations. And then the same skills that can happen around the dinner table or with a group of friends can absolutely impact how you show up at work. But I think it's important to say, and it's so funny, you mentioned at the very beginning of the show that you're like, I wish we could just adapt more of the like kind of pod mentality and really focus on the words. However, The reason you say that is actually because of how you communicate. Sure. When we communicate in real life, whether on video or in person, communication is made up of three parts. Okay. It's made up of the actual words, but that's only 7%. The other 93% is visually what you're seeing and how you feel about it, and Mm -hmm. all the other sensory information you get at the same time. So what it smells like, what Mm -hmm. like all of it, right? You're unlikely to be tasting in the moment you're communicating, but perhaps, you know, food. That's why I always like to carry a little drinky drink with me. A glass (laughs) of wine can definitely impact it. But the reason the pod kind of idea maybe sounds appealing to you is your comfort zone is actually in auditory processing. Yep, you're 100% right. Versus I'm a visual processor. And so you could say, this is why I can look at Emily and she can say nothing. And I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. It is because I am predominantly a visual processor. Mm -hmm. And Emily has developed at least enough skills where she can do that with me and not necessarily everyone. But- Well, because like my- like neuro spiciness is I am very uncomfortable looking at people when I'm talking. Like I don't make eye contact very often. I like physically being in the same room with someone, all of a sudden my mouth just does not know how to work. Mm -hmm. And so having that barrier, even here, like as a virtual interview is enough for me to be like, I'm in my space, you're in your space and we can still connect in a different way. 
because I do like, even when we do interviews with people, like when we're on their show, I still like having their camera on so I can see how their face is reacting to things because it's reassurance for me that they like understand what I'm saying or they agree with me or they're wanting to talk. And that makes me feel more confident in what I can provide to the conversation. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get it set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Well, and if you think about it, 
words only lend so much power. Like you can say, oh my gosh, I would love to go to lunch next week. Or you can say, oh my gosh, I'd love to go to lunch next week. And they mean two completely different things. Mm -hmm. Tone adds so much to it. And the way you're like visually talking about it can add sarcasm and add all sorts of layers to it. And so I think what we have to get out of is we have to be one less focused on speaking in our own comfort mode. So like if words aren't your thing and you are a visual person, but the person you're talking to isn't like Uh you're going to have to learn to communicate in the language that's going to best speak to them and knowing like how they best communicate, how they best learn and absorb information is going to be vital and you ultimately having any sort of conversation in the same way, like you may have a child that you say, go pick up your room. Some children they'll hear it and they'll be like, okay, cool. Other children, they need you to walk in there and say, let's start by putting away our toys and they go in this bucket and literally just the active demonstration yeah makes it click for them and we you know for children we have a level of understanding that they're growing and parenting takes time and we have to learn how our kids work i don't know why we give up all of this insight for when we're talking to other humans of other ages it doesn't mm-hmm. change in fact it's really cyclical you know i feel like you get in the mid area of your life and you start to have a level of understanding for many types of people from many different backgrounds, but then it starts going in reverse. As you age, you lose a lot of that knowledge you gain because part of the aging process is it's cyclical. And so I don't know, just like, let's pay attention to those nuances. Yeah. Well, the key thing that has kept coming up for a lot of our clients that maybe this is something y'all are working on too, that I want to walk you through. I think over the past couple of years, it's been really popular to like identify what your elevator pitch is. Sure. And there's a lot of formulas, right? Like I help blank with blank to do blank, right? Or insert whatever results offer unique specialty that you want to put in there. And I absolutely want you to know that. Like, I definitely think that that's a fantastic writing exercise that can really get you thinking about not just what you do, but the results of what you do and the impact of those results that you do. I want you to know that information. But I think where we were all kind of left high and dry is it was like, identify your elevator pitch, use this formula, and then you have this sentence. But using that sentence in real life and in real conversations can feel really clunky. It can feel really disconnected because it is. It feels like you're reading off of a resume or a teleprompter or you're some sort of robot that's just like, I am Emily, co-founder of Boss Project. Highlight, highlight, highlight all of these fancy things. And they don't matter to the other person without context. They don't mean anything without context. They can be used to really emphasize a relationship if used in the proper way. And so what I want us to learn how to do is to take that elevator pitch, that bio, so to speak, and really take it a step further in real life, in-person conversations. So how do you do this? Well, instead of just, hi, my name's Emily, and you recite your bio, we actually need to have like a real conversation with other people and integrate what's known as asking leading questions 
to get to a space in the conversation where it feels more authentic and real for you to introduce yourself and offer what it is that you do as not just a solution like a sales pitch, but as the like answer to problems that were being brought up in this conversation. And so getting this started, like actually talking to someone else outside of someone's introducing you or you're at a table and you're obviously going to talk to those people outside of those like designed situations. How do you bring up yourself or the other person's life or business when it's not a forced conversation? Well, my secret to all of this is not making it as hard as you think it should be because it is really I was at a networking event last week and it's really intimidating to walk out into a common lobby and there's just people walking everywhere and you're looking around and you're like I should network I should say something I should go talk to people I don't even know what to say what do I say do I just walk up and interrupt someone do like, I just yeah like it's just really easy to get in your head in that moment and so I had two strategies that helped me get out of my box enough that I was able to kind of be open the rest of the day the first one is a great default for any introvert that needs a warm up round go to the bathroom <laughs> I know this sounds really goofy, but go to the bathroom. There's going to be a line. Okay. Like if you're at an actual networking event, there's going to be a line in the bathroom. So much of the anxiety is about picking who you're going to talk to Mm -hmm. when you have no choice, but the person either in front of you or directly behind you, the choice is eliminated. And then it's much easier to be like, hi, how's your day? Or what? Tell me that session was really good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, I, you can talk about literally anything in the back. Oh background. my God, I love your boots. <laughs> yeah, you can, and anything can be kind of that opener that really sets the conversation. It was funny the first time I did that because I was, I was just like, I literally don't know what I'm going to say. I didn't even have to go to the bathroom. I was just like, I was so intimidated by what am I going to say that, you know, I started this conversation with a woman. She had genuine interest enough so that she's like, don't leave, like go to the bathroom and like, let's talk Come out back. in the hall afterwards. And I was done. For- and you're like, Oh, I don't need to go anyways. I didn't need to go anyways. <laughs> she was anyway, it was very awkward. Cause I ended up going and coming out and I was done way before she was. And I was like, well, I did that. Oh, well, but it's fine. But so much of that was just like the convenience factor of the fact that she was directly next to me in line. The same thing happened at lunch when you're like lining up to queue to get lunch. Sure, you could say nothing and you could get your food. I think the majority of the time in that situation, the people around you are craving it just the same way you are. Absolutely. And so it's okay to say, hey, how are you? Or how's your day? Or what session did you like the most today? Or tell me about you and your business. For most of it, it is, if you're intimidated on what to say for yourself, Always start with questions. Mm -hmm. Ask them all the questions. Eventually, they're going to say something where you have some nugget to say back to them. But like, you're not even going to know what it is until you kind of quiz them a little bit. And getting to know them is really helpful. Now, if you want kind of like the next level pushy a little bit, but still less intimidating than interrupting a group of people that are talking. Yeah, I don't think I would ever do that. (laughs) Find someone who's more uncomfortable than you are. Mm -hmm. I know this sounds goofy, but if you are 
in a room and people are swirling around and trying to have conversations, there's bound to be other people who are also flying solo. At They're the hugging event. the walls. Yes. They're standing over there by the food and beverage and not moving. Yes. They're kind of cluelessly looking around. They may even be scrolling their phone. They're always standing somewhere very awkward. Like next this is me. This is me at every event. Next to the elevator. Next yeah. to the trash can. Ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Anywhere. So I did this probably three or four times and it was fantastic because I didn't have to go into a group and like try to figure out the dynamics of the group. I did try a group once and that was no awkward. Well, and the cool thing too, for someone like you to seek out the other person that's more uncomfortable than you is, you know, you're going to be talking to someone like me. And so you know what to say, yeah. you know, like I'm going to be leading this conversation and they're going to like that. And I'm going to be asking questions and I just need to get them comfortable enough talking about themselves so we can move to the next phase of the conversation. Yeah. So I literally, my open liner was, oh, you look like you could use someone to talk to. And everyone's face was just like, thank God. Yes. Thank (laughs) you for coming to me. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it worked quite well. I don't know. And, you know, after a handful of those kind of interactions, I got better inserting myself in other ways. But I'm still not going to be the interrupter. There's still because I'm even though I'm outgoing, I'm not extroverted. And so there's always going to be someone louder in the room. There's always going to be someone more assertive in the room. And that's okay. We can assume that that's a problem. Or we could just go to the corner of the room where those people aren't. Yeah. And find a group of people that are excited to talk to us. And because I'm not, you know, over the top, I'm way more likely to ask about the other person versus this other person who's super assertive is talking about themselves the whole time. Yeah. And so the person that's like, hi, I just wanted to introduce myself. I'm so, and they do their elevator pitch and you're just standing there like, oh my gosh, hi. (laughs) I don't even know you. I don't even don't even know you. Yeah. Yeah. But For in our experience and with the type of people we work with, so I'm assuming it's y'all who are listening as well, finding the person who's hugging the wall, even if you're the person who hugs the wall, go find another wall hugger and just buddy up with them. And like, literally, like I would even try to find, like, I would say something to call out the fact that like, man, this is my first networking event in a while. And I'm very uncomfy. Like, how are you enjoying it? Like, is this your first one? Like I would start the conversation by acknowledging the elephant in the room for me, but for me to have a better conversation is I'm the type of person, like I do not like small talk literally at all. And typically those people don't either. And so really digging into like real authentic conversations. And so asking leading questions in the way that's not just like, where are you from? Like, what's your business? But like, what are the three pieces of bulleted information that if you knew those informations, it would guide you into then talking a little bit about yourself. So it could be a more back and forth conversation. So are you like an executive coach for teams of a certain size? Well, getting to know how big their business is, what role they play in their business, what kind of team members they have, what struggles are they having with their staff or their team can easily get you into being like, oh my gosh, like that's my zone of genius. Like I just worked with the client and we worked out XYZ problem. And then guess what? That person's going to be like, oh my gosh, what do you do? And then now it's a back and forth conversation that you know is about a topic that's going to serve you both. 
Right. Yeah. Knowing the kind of role you need to interact with is such a key piece here. You know, I went to a conference that was specifically women in business. And I went in with assumptions that women in business would be business owners. And I was surprised by the vast amount of people that just happened to be women who worked. And so like, they worked at a bank, they might have a like, legitimate, like high level position at these companies. But they weren't necessarily the owner or the founder, or maybe they were part of a bigger chain or bigger company in some way. And so I didn't even know going into it that funneling down to, I really need to speak to the business owner owner. was going to be part of it. But that was helpful because then I could start to see, okay, well, they have a bank listed on their name tag. It's probably, and not that it's not worth saying hi, but like, that's not necessarily because a bank VP could be a great connector and introduce you to all sorts of people, but they're not necessarily my client right. or potential right. client. Right. And so thinking about what are the nuances of the kind of person you ultimately want to be talking to is really helpful. Yeah. I think that a lot of what I'm hearing back from our clients when we say that is that like, oh, well, then I just feel like inauthentic or weird of like trying to identify more or enough about this person to whether it's worth having a conversation. And I will just remind you like, sure, the circumstance of the event, could it change? But if we're having this conversation in the space of it's a networking event You want to be having conversations with people who are mutually beneficial. They're either going to introduce you to people, refer you to people, or be a client, like period, that's it. And so if this person, something about their industry, their experience, their role, the size of their business or company, if those things aren't in alignment with how you could help, you have to also have strategies to wrap up the conversation in an authentic way, not just being like, okay, great, bye, like be kind about it. But you cannot feel bad about like recognizing that this isn't going to move forward and serve you right now. So wrap it, move on to the next person. Yeah. And that is not a bad thing. Right. Right. Like everyone is going there for a purpose and reason, just like you. So you don't have to necessarily, you can use that as a way to conserve energy too. Like there's some situation, there's some situations where you can't necessarily get out of it. Like say you picked a table, you know, to watch a keynote or eat a meal and the three people around you aren't necessarily those ideal people. I'm not saying be mute the whole time, but like, don't feel like you have to like give all of yourself in that moment. Right. Like have a conversation, let it fuel you as a person, but then also figure out ways to use that as a time to kind of recharge in between. Cause I was exhausted by the end of eight hours. I Yes. That's why I didn't go. (laughs) Abby invited me and I was like, no, no, we have a podcast interview that day and we had a very intensive client strategy session. And I was like, I have to save my energy. I know that. So here's what's cool though. The guidance that tells me if I can say yes or no to an event I rely on a lot of information that I've learned from human design and like my literal body type and how I am made up as a person. And Abby and I are two different design types. Her design type has 100% 
all time access to energy. That doesn't mean she's extroverted, but she can find a string of energy at literally all times of the day or night and use it intentionally. I physically cannot. My energy depletes and then I have to do activities to refill that energy. Then I use it and then it depletes and then I refill it. Mine is not a constant. I can pull on it whenever I want to. And so I have to be very intentional about where that energy goes so that I can do my job well. Yeah. Being a generator Mm -hmm. has its pros. It definitely has its cons. Don't. Yes. Because you have to be even more mindful of, because you can still burn out. Yeah. It's not to say that it's not tiring. So she has to be really intentional about how to still recharge her brain in a way, you know, the energy might still be there. The desire might still be there, but she's like physically incapable of doing it without rest. Right. Or recharge and whatever. Right. So know your type and it will help. Know your type and know your limits and know what you're going in there for. Like, I think so much of that is what it comes down to, regardless of the type of conversation. What are you trying to get out of the conversation? Are you at a networking event and your goal is to prospect and get five leads that you can have right. follow-up meetings with? Okay, then you got to go in with that being the intentional goal. If your goal is to just refuel yourself and like, because sometimes I've been to events like that and my only goal was to self-fulfill. Like I right. only wanted to recharge myself. It wasn't right. about meeting anyone. Well, then you're, how you show up there is totally different. Like I even went to the event with the plan of, I don't even care what the topics are because that's not why I'm going. Right, right, right. And so honestly, I think you said yes, mostly to practice your skills so that we can say yes to future events. more. Yeah, it was practice. And I liked the fact that it was local because so much of our business has become international that I like crave having one or two local clients here and there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, if you all have any conversation tips or tricks for introverts, for people who like don't know how to start conversations or lead conversations, I'm open to hearing the strategies that y'all use. I would love to hear them over on Instagram. Send us a DM at Boss Project. I think it would be really cool to create some sort of resource that helps people relearn how to have conversations again. I think this is a much bigger issue than I originally thought it was for a lot of us. And on some level, there are definitely strategies we have. And we've had an episode on this show with someone who talked about how to have friends as an adult and how to make those friends even via social connections, like online internet friends and how to turn them into real life friends. It was an excellent episode. And there are definitely strategies that you can use even in the business sense. But I think like when you're fully at an event trying to land connections or clients, there can still be a little bit overwhelming aspect of what to say and how to guide the conversation. And coming up with kind of copy starters is a little trick of ours. And so if you need help figuring out what to say, or if you have strategies on what you say, we would love to hear them over on Instagram at Boss Project. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. 
Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.